Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining for another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I'm your host, Ashley. And today we have a special guest. Uh, Our guest is Kelsey O'Daniels. And she is an artist, organizer, scholar, and overall baddie out of San Diego. I'm really excited to bring her onto the podcast. Um, She has done some amazing work in the community and just all around. So I'm going to let Kelsey, first off, Kelsey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank Um, you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. And can you tell, um, tell everybody a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So like you said, I call myself an artist, organizer, baddie, scholar. I am in San Diego, California. I've been doing community work for the past, five or six years I am a nonprofit dropout um, but like for most of my uh, life and work has been a nonprofit and social services and now I'm trying to figure out another way to show up in the community in an authentic way and so yeah I just love uh, being with people um, finding ways to to connect and uh, share stories and have a good time that's awesome. That's awesome. I know that you, I know that, that you have a bunch of different events and initiatives that you've started um, or co-created. I know one in particular um, that you'd mentioned before when we spoke was that you co-created uh, mutual aid networks that wrote, that raised over $200,000. Like, can you tell, tell us more about that and the timing of it all? Yeah. So um, one of the things I do is organize a March for Black Women in San Diego And we, early 2020, we had just gotten done with our third March and literally the weekend, the week after that is when like the world started to shut down, right? So it's like early March, um, COVID is happening. um, And I just, you know, I'm seeing other mutual aid networks pop up. Um, Another one I'm involved with, We All We Got San Diego, which does more like general work, and I was thinking specifically around like that there are um, Black women in our community who are in need and like are most likely not going to get um, uh, served in the same way, um, right? Like that they have a greater need impacted by massage noir. And um, I was looking at the models that other people are doing and I was like, what if we did this specifically for Black women and femmes? And so we called it Black Women Deserve. And um, it started very grassroots, very like uh, flying by the seat of our pants. Um, and luckily, like some of my other co-organizers helped like build a system, but we were able to um, have a Google form. People sent in their requests. We did calls and like got to know them, see what other needs they might need and um, sent the money and really tried to be like um, the opposite of what we see in kind of like nonprofits and social services where we're very like 
trying to screen folks out of it. Like, you know, the only requirement that we had, are you black? Because we have some white people try to sneak in. Um, you know, like no. Um, <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. Wow. So we um we just really had to make sure that we were giving the money to the community and not like moving in this like super carceral way. Right. That, that, and can for anybody that does, that doesn't know, can you describe like what mutual aid is versus like yeah. something from um, a charity? Yeah, so something that we say in our different spaces is like solidarity, not charity, right? So mutual aid is like showing up for each other and acknowledging like that there's not a hierarchy, um, right? And acknowledging that um, I see the mutuality in like our cir- circumstances and situations and like... Um, there's a big emphasis on like skill share and like everyone has something like to contribute and like this is how we take care of each other um in a way that like sees people and their humanity versus like as a number yeah that's awesome that's awesome um I know that you also talked about um leading a program that introduced artistic expression to youth in the local community can you tell us a bit about that project yeah, um, I work for this org called Urban Beats, which is actually ending at the end of the month. Um, oh, no. But they had a long contract, so 2015 to 2021. They, you know, were able to do some stuff. But um, yeah, that was a really beautiful program that actually got me back into having an art practice. Um, but the whole point was using artistic expression as a model to talk about mental health and stigma. And it was just really dope being able to work with young adults who, you know, were experiencing mental health challenges and also housing security and these other things that we know that can go with it Um, and giving them platform, right? Because we didn't like create these artists, you know, but we gave them platform and medium and tools um, to see like an amazing things happen. And we did community productions and we went to Sacramento to perform at like um, a statewide mental health day. And so it was just really cool to be able to see um, young people who started out like, I don't have any gifts, like kind of blossom. Mm. Um, that's that's amazing. I mean, it's, it's definitely important to, to make sure that kids and specifically young adults like have like have a little bit of direction when it comes to mental health, because I feel like sometimes because there, there isn't quite enough as you're coming up through like elementary school, middle school, high school, um, there's not a lot of focus. So it's great that you guys provided that. That's awesome. Like, I know that you giving back in, in a very present and authentic way seems to be very important to you. Um, but how do you remain present for yourself and your own mental health uh, while serving others? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And that's something that I have, you know, constantly trying to navigate. I think I'm getting a lot um, better at naming, like, when I have to tap out, right? And working on navigating, like, what shame looks like in that, you know, because I think we're conditioned to, like, grind, grind, grind. Um, but I think, like, carving out, like, this is um getting better at saying like I would love to do this but if I said I would it would be a lot you know like (laughs) um and just like remembering the things that like recharge me um so like spending time just listening to like music or um just talking on the phone with my friends for hours you know like trying to like make sure I'm incorporating um regular things because they're 
when the mutual aids was first getting started, I couldn't tell you like night from day. Like I was just like grinding, you know, that whole time. And it was like really important, but I was realizing how much I was not treating myself like a black woman. Deserved, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like, like when was the last time you felt heard when talking about your own mental health, when talking to other people? I think this week I've been having a lot of um, hard stuff happening with housing. And I remember on Sunday I got some like news and I texted my two best friends and one of them called and was like, all right, so I'm coming to pick you up. And like, I was able to like get in her car and like cry and like be really like vulnerable and have it held in a way that like a lot of times like I'm that person who's holding. and so it was just really good to have um, a space where I felt safe enough to be hella vulnerable and like a safe way, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like, has is that a long time coming as far as like that relationship with your friends? Because I know sometimes navigating or not even navigating, just being open about your mental health and where you're at. Um, not even just about mental health, but just emotionally with what you're going through. Like it takes a while to like open up to people. Is that something that you've been actively working on? Like with your friends, something that it was like a conversation at some point where like, look, this is, this is where I'm at. And certain times I need, uh, you know, I need these things from you and vice versa, like, how did you get to that point? Because I feel like that's a really tough point for people to get to is to just be open to the people that they love most. Right. So with me, it's kind of an interesting thing where I feel like I can be open really easily, but I'm not always open to like, if people ask, how can I support you? I don't have answers, right? Um, a lot of times, like, and I've been talking about that, like, and I think it's because like, there's this like, rooted in trauma but like this like lack of trust that people could hold me if I say what I need and that that has been the work not just like the being open part but the like there are people who want to see you well um because like outside of like my mom like I haven't always had uh that like experience and so um yeah the work for me has been like trusting that when people say they want to show up for me like they're telling the truth yeah yeah that's that's so true like that it it definitely it's definitely a work in progress I feel like and maybe like a different different journey with each person that you're going Mm -hmm. through that with um like what's the biggest difference in like your mental health now versus you know five years ago or 10 years ago um I think definitely five years ago I have a black therapist which is like unlocked a million things I think I started seeing her two years ago and I think like having someone who I feel like I could like say things to and they're just like whoa they're not like wow you know like around like black stuff or just like family dynamic things um so I think that has been a huge thing and like just having I don't know, access to to deeper relationships, like having uh, more avenues of like coping. Um, You know, I also think that there's so much more conversation about mental health now um, than there was in 2011 when I like was newly diagnosed, you know? 
I think that there's a lot more, you know, there's still a lot further to go. Um, but I think there's a lot more conversation around Black people specifically. Um, and like younger, well, I guess I'm not young anymore, but like younger We're Black We're still people, young. You could claim yeah, it. <laughs> you know, like that are, I don't know, like I feel like that aren't just like detached. You know? Right, right. Yeah, I I definitely think that the conversations are a lot more present. Um, and I do want to ask, like, when did you have a non-Black therapist before your Black therapist? I know some people, like, I jumped into therapy um, in my mid-20s. Like, I went to therapy once when I was a kid, never went back. But um, I knew that when I was looking for a therapist, I was very adamant that she had to be Black and she had to be a woman. But is is that something that, um like did you work with anybody that wasn't black before and how was that experience yes if I can get on like my little baby soapbox like so I'm Go in San Diego, like I have um Kaiser and I'll say the mental health system is so uh, I don't want to say broken but because I feel like it's working by design but it is so ineffective a lot of times and so with my insurance um you can see a therapist for like a short amount of time. And then like the way that they were so slammed and booked, I was seeing like a white therapist like once every six months and um, they just weren't good. Like they would just give work, like worksheets um, and it'd be like these. And like now that like I'm older, I'm like, these are like probably white girls just out of like grad school. Um, right. Oh my gosh. You know, so but like, worksheets. I mean, I guess there's nothing yeah. wrong with the worksheet, but. I mean, yeah, but it was just such a disconnect or like, I just remember like talking and they'd be like, hmm, that's super interesting. Like, have you thought about writing a letter? Oh, and it's gosh. like, you know, so I was in it very inconsistently. And so like, I feel like I crowdsourced my healing, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, um, but then I got connected to this therapist because one of my best friends was seeing a black woman. And like, I was like having to like finagle, pay out of pocket, mm-hmm. um, like she was like doing some like cook up shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it I wasn't I didn't have like Kaiser didn't have anybody black at all. Wow. Um, I think the most I saw was like a Latina woman. Mhm. Is do you think that's changed? Like do you are you still part of that like network? Do you think that's changed or Um yeah, now, I mean, I pay out of pocket to my Black therapist. Um, and that's also a thing, as I'm working on getting a family member connected, a lot of, like, Black therapists, and I understand, get your money, um, don't take um, private insurance. Like, they do a lot of, like, self-pay, mm-hmm. which, like, is sometimes very inaccessible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I went through the same thing um, when I was looking for a therapist and couldn't really find anybody that took my insurance that I gelled with. And I went through, I went through a lot of reaching out to people and I ended up finding a black therapist that um, did a sliding scale. So fortunately at the time, like I was able to pay like $70 a session or something like that. But even that was yeah. a lot for me. And that is me being in my late twenties, you know, with no kids with, you know, one stable job. So that's not everybody's situation. 
And yeah, accessibility is definitely something that um, needs to be, you know, improved in the future, especially for people in our community that want to speak with somebody else from our community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that you did. So I went back and I did like a little deep dive into (laughs) (laughs) all of your Instagram. So (laughs) if you, I'm that person that liked a a video from like 2019 or something, but (laughs) (laughs) you did a talk. um, I believe the talk was called lost for creative Mm -hmm. mornings back in 2015. Um, And I was definitely up watching it at like 3 a.m making notes not just for the podcast but like my own um my own notes for life from that um so it was was a great talk if you guys are listening um definitely go onto her instagram and take a look um it's really i thought it was really powerful with a lot of really relatable things in there about um about depression that's kind of how I related to it and just trying to um, figure out where you're at but there was there was one particular piece in there and I hope you don't mind if that I quote it Um, Mm -hmm. so you say you used to be afraid of horror movies but now you fear indifference is going to be the thing that takes you if a girl screams in her sleep and no one is around to hear it does it still count if she's breaking down every time she's alone but doesn't look it is she still strong I'm asking for a friend I'm asking for me so can you talk a little bit about like where you were at when you were writing that piece? Yeah, so that's funny. So it relates back to the Urban Beats program. I feel like I'd started writing that like maybe in 2014 or something. And I had it in the journal and then I just left it, right? And I think like I built it out for the urban beats because they were like are you do you have any art and I was like I wrote this poem and then like I had to like finish writing it to perform like right with the with my other staff members um and so I think I definitely was writing about depression in a lot of different stages of my life like I think I've I've always had this like tendency to like hide um how I'm feeling and um and present like a strong thing and also like when I get really depressed a lot of times it's just like it's indifference it's like numb you know so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I was at and you know to be fully transparent I you know navigate this often and you know like have to go through the cycle and I think the the biggest thing for me is now I feel like I let people know you know I feel like I've gotten better at like letting my support network know like hey I'm I'm not feeling right and even if it's just like I'm just putting y'all on notice because I want to like be transparent you know like I want to be um held and like allowing people trusting people to hold that you know yeah definitely well thank you so much for sharing that I know it's I think it's sometimes a little easier to talk about what we went through but a little bit tougher to say that it is something that still comes up um Mm. and something that we're still continually working through there is no like a like cure-all where depression is done and then you move on to the next stage of your life um you know so 
But I, I mean, I guess it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is just making sure that you have a strong support network um, and having the courage to be transparent with them about where, you are, where, you, where you're at. Um, um, but yeah, so if you are listening, go take a look at that talk. It was really powerful. Um, I, I'm going to hop over to a, a weekly event that you uh, host or co-host called the Sit-In in San Diego. Like, can you, I know that you, you talk about how um, that focuses on healing community and is an act of protest. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how those thing, three things intersect? Yeah, so one of my really good friends, we started, um, he was doing a mental health series in May of last year. And on the like last day of May, he had me on and we were talking about like mental health and racism. And, you know, we're just talking about like how all of these things intersect. And specifically, um, we were talking around like what was going on in the world and like in our local communities, right? Like, um, and specifically like accessibility and the fact that like everyone can't be at protest um, for like a lot of reasons. And so we were just talking about like other ways to show up and like and navigate this. And literally that was a Friday. The next day um, there was like this big protest in a suburb of San Diego when like things were on fire. And we're like, oh, so we need to have this conversation like again soon. And so um, we were gathering and talking about like healing together, like doing the work for yourselves is also like protest, right? And so it's just been a weekly space where, you know, it kind of varies. Sometimes we have like a topic in mind that we talk about and break down. Um, and other times it's just a place for us to come and just like vent, you know, and just like share. And I think like what has been beautiful, it's been over a year. Um, we started June 2nd um, of last year is that like we've seen people just like it's been like a saving grace for a lot of us including myself to just be like see growth and being able to like talk about these things specifically like racial things and like have like a safe container um, to process because I think about like I mean, I'm lucky enough that I'm just a very vocal person with my friends <laughs> and <Yeah>. I'm always <laughs> talking, but I think a lot of people would have just been kind of like processing and ruminating this like alone this year, you know? And so I think even just having one time to have someplace to like yell um, or like cry, you know? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that last year sparked um sparked a need like I think within our community for different forms of protest um, because a lot of people you know like you said protesting in person um, you know with everybody else wasn't necessarily feasible for everybody Um, like for example that's kind of how the podcast started is my friend Eloria and I were talking about you know being a little bit frustrated that we weren't in positions to be at the protests for a range of reasons and um, starting, but basically creating a safe space is just trying to create that space where like finding that healing space and finding that community is joy. So I, I just, that, that resonates with me a lot. And I so appreciate that so much of the, of your time that you've put towards um, creating these types of spaces for other people like this is a lot of work that you've done so I hope that 
I hope that you, I'm going to give you some flowers right now because I hope that you recognize that you've done so much. I mean, even just in the past year that I know about um, to, um, you know, give us these spaces for different types of protests and different types of healing. Um, and I think that's like invaluable. Thank you. I, I, um, something I say with my friends is like, I'm working on just receiving it. I'm just going to let it like sit. Just take um, it, take it, <laughs> just take it. Um, so uh, you you said something um, and I'm going to drop another uh, Kelsey quote real quick. <laughs> you say joy is crucial as we move on our respective and collective healing journeys. Um, what does Black joy look like for you? Hmm. It looks like tackles. Um, <laughs> it looks like... <laughs> Um, big laughter and um, like being by the water literally the day after Juneteenth um, me and like my best friends were like at the beach um, just like laughing and dancing and like listening to music and like that is like the epitome for me of just like being like free being um unwatched or unbothered by like white gays like because you know um that that to me is like the like the epitome yeah definitely I love that um and I know you also said freedom works for me by accessing my joy and telling my story and like that's super powerful I don't know I forgot where I got that quote from mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no citations in my notes <laughs> but, <laughs> but I I just love that joy is something that is just as important to you as um you know forms of protest in creating uh, I don't know I just feel like there's a balance that is needed um and there's so much energy that can be put out to like where you're fighting you know, fighting different systems within society. And I love that you place like a high value on joy. Yeah. I think it's like also because like I said, nonprofit dropout, like working in social services and like working in, in general, I think in like official workspaces and feeling like as a black person, you have to compartmentalize yourself and you have to like, you know and like (laughs) oh yeah um, that's so true (laughs) you know like you can't be yourself or like everyone else can be like very casual and you still have to kind of like navigate this line and so really being um accidentally intentional like on like when I'm in these other spaces especially ones that I'm creating I'm gonna be my full self I cuss sometimes like I laugh really loud like you know um and like for a long time, there's something really tickles me, you know, like, and I think that's like really important. And I think even um, the beautiful places, like I got the opportunity to organize and like practice, like being able to see that that was okay. Right. And that really like emboldened me. Like if this is like March for Black Women, I don't want it. Like, I don't believe in Robert's Rules Order. Like, you know, like we're gonna, um, you know, we're going to allow ourselves to be in these spaces because I think we deserve it. Like, I don't think we have to do, I don't think we have to move like stuffy white spaces to to get things done. And I think that like magic happens when we don't. That's deep. Wow. I love it. I know that 
another quote that you have is my work is an opportunity to celebrate fullness by honoring my here. And that's here in all caps. So what does honoring your here mean to you? Um, it means very much being just all over the place. So like my social media, I feel like it's really interesting for people who follow me for like one reason. Like there's a lot of people who after the creative mornings talk, I followed my page and it's like, yes, you're going to get like profound things, but you're also going to get me on Instagram uh, singing every nigga is a star to my friends who are annoyed, you know? (laughs) I love it. um, You're going to get me sometimes like crying, you know, talking about something that's really important. You're going to get me um, calling stuff in and out. Like they're, I'm a full person and I think like, you know, coming from a, a world of having to compartmentalize myself, coming from like a history of trauma where I've had to compartmentalize myself, like I do myself honor by being honest, um, which is sometimes like meaning I'm not, well, absolutely always means I'm not going to be perfect, you know, in like whatever normative way that looks like. Um so yeah and it's not easy um and it's not like a perfect practice like because I also don't want to seem like I'm uh just this badass who was just always just like telling it like it is um (laughs) but that's like my ideal that's the the thing I tried to um lead with and return to you know yeah yeah definitely how does how does writing, journaling, and creating art for you specifically cross over into your own mental health? Yeah, I think like getting getting things out of my head is really uh, important. And so like I don't always have the capacity to like journal for a super long time, but like my notes app on my phone, like I call it like the elephant graveyard of ideas. Like it's just they don't always translate into like a bigger piece but like it's just really important I think to just like get things out of my head and just like see what it looks like on paper or you know on screen you know I think that has been um a really big thing that I've I've seen be helpful for me as like like Urban Beach was the turning point of me like living in um like living and open around like my mental health Mm. and so you know even if it's just like a small outlet of like coloring something um yeah it it reminds me of those pictures that you see on Instagram where it's got the two people and in the first picture she's got like a huge thought cloud and it's just a bunch of like swirls and like scribble in the thought cloud and then the next picture she's journaling and all the all the gunk is now on the on the desk Mm -hmm. yeah it's like I don't journal a lot but I know a lot of people that do but I'm also the type of person that will write random things in my notes um not a ton because I'm I'm definitely not an artist or like a writer or anything like that but I I understand the whole piece of like getting it out of my head and onto paper or just at least out of my head <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah just creating some space <laughs> um let's see so I 
as far as like you talk about leading with yes and like, can you describe that for me um yeah like yes and has been um something that's been really important to me and just like reminding myself I don't have to live in binary um and also like I said in that last talk like about like me giving myself like permission to hold like other people like there were folks that like I really don't like in organizing spaces because of this and also they do good work and like I don't have to cancel these things out while like and I think it also creates a container for me to like hold that all these things are true about myself and they don't cancel me out right Mm -hmm. um especially like as I'm learning to like embrace and challenge myself um so for me guessing it is like you know I I was in theater for like two seconds in high school. I um <laughs> you know like a hot two seconds. <laughs> right. I was like in a play and then I had to like drop out because I had to go to night school. Um <laughs> but like, you know, like there's like improv and like the improv game is like you're you're not saying no, like you're always like yes and yes. like you know, like you're building yes. onto something. Um, I remember that game. I had that game yeah. in my improv class in college, yes. Yeah, and so, like, just thinking about how, um, how, like, so there's, like, the breaking binaries, and also it's, like, this is, like, imagination, right? Like, you know, when I'm thinking of, like, building stuff and, like, thinking about obstacles, like, yes, and, like, what else can be possible? Like, what, you know, what can we do to live with that? Like, and, like, navigate it. Um, And so it's just, like, always, like, an opening up model for me. Mm expansion versus like no but is like contracting yeah I like that I'm gonna try to implement that yes and that's such it seems like such an easy thing but I guess we don't really know how many times we say no until you start saying yes I guess Mm -hmm. do you have any boundaries that protect your mental health that you didn't have a year ago or like sometime in the past I think like I don't watch protest videos Mm. and I think like or specifically like I used to watch like some of the lives of like some of the direct actions and it just made me really anxious and then I felt like bad about like you're not in the movement or like you're whatever Mm. um and realizing like I can do other things that don't trigger me and I'm better for it you know (laughs) like I'm able Mm -hmm. to do you know things when I'm not being triggered and I think that's like a a boundary that I just like hold for myself and I think I've sent also white people are like a fucking lot and like so being like don't send me shit in my inbox about what's going on because I'll know it's happening like I don't need to see my video I definitely don't need to see like police action you know um it's like those are like some boundaries and also just like I've given myself permission and this was an active working on it, like to not have to respond to things immediately and not feel bad about it. And like the biggest thing, like I've given myself permission to be like, hey, I saw this, I'm gonna get back to you like later. Yeah. Because I think like early pandemic when all of the organizing things were happening and like, um, you know, I'm doing 5011 things, like people would just be in my inbox all the time. And I felt like I had to respond to things and like, People would ask me questions about org stuff, but wouldn't send messages to the org. And I'd have to be like, 
send this shit over there, like, because it's going to get lost in my inbox, mm-hmm. or, like, it's, like, interrupting my, like, day, because, like, yeah. I have to answer, like, a thousand questions about this thing, um, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get better about having, like, online boundaries, and and not having to be the answerer for everything. Like, people will figure it out if I'm not there. Yeah. That's super hard. I find it to be super difficult to do that in, like, the age of, like, people have all this access to you. And, like, different ways of contacting you, whether it be email, text. And, you know, I always feel kind of bad. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to help to get myself to stop feeling so bad. But I always feel kind of bad, like, when a friend calls me and I'm just not in the mood to talk not because I'm busy but I just don't want to talk to anybody at the moment or I don't want to text anybody back and then I'm like posting stories <laughs> and posting funny memes and I'm just like I know this person is just saw this <laughs> I don't feel like talking yeah. Like, yeah and I think given like it's hard and I think like I have two best friends who set boundaries and I realize like for me when people set boundaries that feel inaccessible to me, I'm like, how dare you? And then I have to realize, like, wait, I can do this too. It's just going to be hella uncomfortable. Um, but, like, I have friends who will set, like, boundaries about, like, hey, I'm these days are for me and my husband. I don't got no husband. But, like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I can't do anything on Wednesdays because I've set this thing aside. And, like, yeah. this is my thing. And so I'm like, okay, like, but I guess I can do the same things, too, like, so, like, I'm not, you know, like, I prefer not to have uh, shit going on on Wednesday nights, because I'm doing things on Tuesday, and I'm doing things on Thursday, and, like, um, and, like, I was, like, I can create these, like, small boundaries, like, because other people's boundaries are examples, or, like, or I don't want to do boundaries like that, because you're kind of a bitch, and, like, how you're, (laughs) you're, like, you're like, (laughs) but you're like really mean about it yeah and so like finding my you finding my medium through um watching other examples you know yeah yeah uh, I just want to go back to one thing I know that you talked about um for Urban Beats this the particular poem that I had um pulled from earlier um how it was kind of like from a project and you're kind of like pulled into it but I also know that you're a spoken word artist. Is that what you would call it? Or a poet? Um, yeah, either one. Poet. Uh, I feel like poet gives a little bit more room than like it having to be spoken <laughs> word right. all the time. Um, <laughs> so can you talk to me a little bit about, about you know, your about your poems and, and your life as a poet as well? Because I just think like the particular poem that, that you read during the Lost Talk was powerful and I know that you mentioned that you also had some events that you that you also plan I mean girl you're planning everything (laughs) but I know that you also host a spoken word night or you were hosting it like before the pandemic yeah so like before the pandemic I hosted an open mic um you know all art expressions and like I still on Thursday nights do something and it's more so morphed into like art processing space where like uh, we talk about art that we like are fucking with and also sometimes like share like drafts and you know um, that's also just been a really cool community space I've been able to cultivate 
one of the places that I'm working on offering grace and denying shame is like my uh, production value because like I'll be like once again my notes app is like elephant graveyard of ideas so like I'll write like really great bars and then like then I'm <laughs> you know like I'm like ooh this is dope three lines and then this is <laughs> don't always materialize um, <laughs> but I was telling my friend I was like the only thing between me and a Pulitzer is this ADHD <laughs> oh man we gotta dig through these notes I feel like it was in there <laughs> yeah. um but yeah poetry was really like a a platform like a space that kind of grew me into like a lot of these communities right um because when I started like hitting the open mic scene and like you know just like making a lot of connections even if I wasn't making a whole bunch of poetry <laughs> mm-hmm. I would work I would work these little three poems like <laughs> we had other ones but I was like these are my these are the heavy hitters like <laughs> these are the tried and true right um, <laughs> but it's just like giving me like like I said platform and access to kind of get things out and like also like create space like when I was working with my urban beats uh really trying on not infantilizing like I was going to say my babies um <laughs> but these are like grown-ass people now um I mean they already were but like you know like getting to see for me it's really beautiful seeing people like get comfortable or like do something for the first time and so like my open mic space I was really proud like I felt like it was like the beginner's open mic and so like people would come and I'd be like do you want to sign up and be like no I'm good and then they would see like other people perform and it was like a really warm space and like people were like actually listening um and like sometimes like we would give like feedback or like not feedback but like I was really dope I really like this line and um then we would take a break and people would come up to me and be like I actually do think I want to read and like I was like yes got him <laughs> Like, not on purpose, but, like, I just love. <laughs> but kind know? of on purpose. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, uh, you say that now. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's just really cool to see people, like, like, learn that, or like, learn by having opportunity, like, how their, their art matters, right? Even if it's not, like, you're ready to go to a slam the next day, right? Or you're about to be like a recording artist and get a deal because like that hasn't happened at my open mic. <laughs> you know, I don't have just agents sitting in the room. Um, but like you get to be heard and held for like three minutes and that's pretty cool. So that's um, the space that I try to cultivate, which is also just like, I'm doing it for myself. Like, I think it's like... Um, important to have safe spaces where the emphasis is not on like uh perfection what do I always say like connection over perfection you know I like that connection over perfection I like that a lot there's such an emphasis there's such a a push I feel like to that you have to present it in you know, it's got to be shiny and you've got to have worked on it forever. <clears throat> but I love that you're just like, come as you are, bring your art as you are, as it is, and, you know, share it. And let's just see where it goes. Yeah. That's awesome. 
I know that you mentioned um, that you have ADHD. Can you talk a little bit about kind of navigating uh, ADHD as, you know, a Black femme? Yeah, I think, um, sorry, someone sent me a message and I'm closing that. I think for me, it was about like, kind of like finding online community and then going to my therapist and like her using that DSM and like um, being like, yep, this is the thing. Um, And then me having to navigate this like hella anti-Black psychiatrist who was just like, well, we don't know. And even if we did, like you can't take any of these meds because they're that, you know, because of this thing. And so it's really just been about like having my therapist help me come up with strategies and like, finding, like I said, online community, like who, um, like I'm in this Facebook group called Unicorn Squad and it's for like black femmes and uh, non-binary folk. Um, And it's just like a really like interesting space of hearing people like share their stories and share their like hacks, you know? Um, Because also for me, like that doesn't live within like a, silos like it also navigates within my other like mental health challenges and so like seeing seeing myself um reflected and seeing like strategies and options just really always been something important for me like when I see other people in the world like you know naming these things it gives me an idea of like what it could look like for me you know adaptations and whatnot yeah I get that that's and thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I really appreciate, you know, I feel like there's not many, I haven't really met a lot of black women that, or, that have ADHD. Um, I had a couple of teammates back in college. I had actually several teammates that had ADHD back in college. But outside of that, um, I just feel like you don't necessarily hear black people talking about having it. Um, I guess you don't hear... Black people talking about having a whole lot of things in the in you know when it comes to mental health, yeah, um, and especially the way that it presents like in women and folks who are socialized as girls, um, like it doesn't look like the white boy stereotype, you know, right. um, and for <clears throat> me being able to hear about. Um, it looks like procrastinating until the very last minute and like, you know, getting like this like adrenaline rush and thrill. And I was like, oh, this is me. And then like, I think like my senior year of college when other stuff was kicking in and I was like, oh, I can't just like write a paper the day before it's due anymore. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is a scam, <laughs> like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or I learned about like the concept of body doubling which like for uh, folks who, not just ADHD, but other things like having someone with you helps you get a task done, right? Like there's just something psychological about like knowing someone else is like in the room or virtually. And I've seen that like with my roommate will come over and just like talk and work on something. And then like, oh, I can clean my room now. Like, <laughs> um, wow. I've never heard of body, body doubling. Like, so- 
can you go into that a little bit deeper? So is, is that just having somebody in the space that you're in to be able to kind of like function and focus a little bit better? Yeah. And like, <clears throat> you know, there's also like virtual things too, but it's just that concept of like being able to like focus more, having another person there for me, like also being able to take my attention off of the task. Like I used to, Mm. I hate washing dishes, like for real. And like when I lived at my old place, like my roommate, like never washed dishes and it would just be a lot. And so I would like FaceTime someone, you know, and I didn't realize like, and so connecting the dots later, like that's also body doubling. But like, I would be like, if I'm talking to somebody, then I don't hate the task. Um, and I can do it like faster. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> I, that's so interesting. Cause I feel like I do the same thing. Well, you know what? I take that back. I feel like I do the same thing, but I do it with music. Like I can't really do certain things mm-hmm. without having music. I just can't like, it's really hard to get through the task, but I've never heard of body doubling. That's so interesting. Wow. And I think like anything, like there's like coping <clears throat> strategies that I, I think sometimes we gravitate towards without even knowing like what we're doing or how we're doing it. Or literally my therapist just gave me an assignment yesterday about like put on three songs and like break up your packing task into like chunks and like, you know, cause like you may not be able to do it an hour, but you can listen to three songs. And like, I was just like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, that's good. I love that strategy. That's really good. I love that. I'm going to, hop into something that I found on your art page on Instagram uh, at Kelsey's mm-hmm. creating. And one of the slides on that page in particular says all the me's I have been, have been true. And mm-hmm. I read that and I literally, I was swiping, and I was like, I was, you know, reading through everything. And I saw that and I was just like blown away. Cause I don't think I've, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that. Um, but how how important is it for you to accept that all the use that you have been or accept like every version of, of yourself? Yeah, like I think it's it's been really important because I think like we can compartmentalize and like shame ourselves like, wow, I wish I would have like, I think like for me, like coming in terms of like queerness and like, you know, like I wish like, I would have came in, I have a piece, like, I wish I came into the sooner, and, like, realizing, like, who I was back then was who I was, and that was true for me then, right, like, I think it's, it's really important for me to, like, accept that also all the things that I've gone through, like, how I showed up in that was, like, valid, like, that's what I needed to be, and, like, I wasn't living, a lot. I just wasn't aware yet. Like I think about like, you know, like I'm really like a sick one. Like nobody was born woke because I know that like who I was in 2010, like I was saying some shit that like was probably problematic. And like, but that was like true for me then. And I'm really grateful that like I've grown from that. And I think that like, you know, the yes and of it all is like, I might've been like on some bullshit there, but I was like doing some things there and they all like culminated like you know, now in 2021, I can be like, oh, child, that wasn't the move, <laughs> you know, like, um, but I think just giving, it's been a really important part uh, 
of my growth and healing journey to like how can I incorporate and embrace the different parts of me specifically like baby Kels um you know how can I hold um space for what my truth was there because like it was real and uh, I think learning like I don't need anyone else that like it's great when other people validate like your truth but I know that it was mine regardless of if other people like held it that way wow that's that's awesome I just I think that's so important like you're saying is to just like accept accept who you've been at every single stage and that's just a a really powerful way of putting it um in that particular quote so I know that you have a couple different projects going. One in particular um, that I thought was really interesting. Can you tell me about your project, Mammy's Revenge, and like where it stems from and kind of what your plan is for that one or what you're doing for that project? Yeah, so um, Mammy's Revenge is something. So I started like thinking about the concept of Mammy like, like in college, right? Like I did a essay about like archetypes. Um, and, you know, just thinking about, like, you know, how Black fat women, specifically dark-skinned fat Black women, like, uh, represented this, like, docile seat, um, you know, like, character, like, you know, that, like, service the interests of white people, um, and so, like, I remember, uh, thinking about like in my early 20s about being like mammified and like I was using this like hashtag like anti-mammy or not your mammy which is like real and then I started thinking about like how the women who were being mammified like are not the problem with society right and so like I started thinking like you know it's kind of disrespectful to say anti-mammy right like and then I was just thinking through like what does it look like to I don't know, like, think about the humanity of folks, and then, I can't remember, it was, like, a movie that came out, I think, like, I think it was, like, Ma, and I was, like, this is it, like, this is, like, a revenge. Yes, I remember Ma with Octavia Spencer, yes. Yeah, I, and then I watched it, and I was, like, oh, this could have gone so many ways, and it didn't. It Um, didn't, it just, (laughs) it, it didn't go very far. Right. But, like, the trailer gave me life, right? <laughs> yeah, I was hype. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, Octavia's in this? Oh, it's about to be great. And then it just right. got weirder and weirder. Just, and I was like, all this over a white man? Damn it. Um, so you know. Yeah, her whole life just gone. <laughs> Facing kids around the town. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. But I think I just, like, wrote, like, Mammy's Revenge, the bosom strike back on Facebook. And then I was just, like, I kind of like that outside of the Octavia <laughs> Butler. And, um, you know, like, so that's something I've just been, like, saying and whatever. And I think this is a pattern with me is, like, I'll just, like, write something or say something and have no idea what it means. I'm, like, this just sounds nice. And then, like, months later, like, I'll be, like, oh, this is what I meant by this. And I didn't know what I meant by this. But, like, I make sense of it after I like say things yeah. <laughs> like and so um yeah like I, that was just like some words that sat with me and like I applied for this grant and like basically I'm thinking like about Mammy's Revenge just looking at the intersections of being like a fat black femme and being mammified and what does it look like to like what does revenge look like? And for me, revenge is like living a full life, right? Being a full multidimensional person who does not like 
you know, like, I think, like, <laughs> these titties don't mammy for you is something that said, like, um, <laughs> I feel like that should be on a, on a pin, you know, yes. like, like you on a backpack or something. <laughs> yeah, because Jungle Pussy has a song that's like, this pussy don't pop for you. And so, yes, I've heard that song. <laughs> <laughs> these titties do not mammy for you. Um, <laughs> But, like, you know, just thinking about, like, what does it look like to reclaim joy, to reclaim sensuality, to reclaim anger? Because I think, like, um, you know, Mammy was never angry about the conditions, right? She was just, like, jovial. And, like, I think, like, Mammy's revenge is having an internal life, you know? Like, and so I've already, you know, using, like, (laughs) photo essays, which I've done in the past, and, like, also just, like, writing I feel like Mammy's Revenge is really about to be like I don't know like honestly just like an umbrella envelope for like a lot of the writing and the work that I'm I'm doing right but with the intentionality of like what does it look like to honor and have reverence for uh myself and women and femmes who have come before me and who will come after me um who have had to make sense of these exterior labels um and you know live their their full life in spite around despite it you know mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 powerful I mean I I know that when you first kind of told me about it it's super interesting and I love that you're reclaiming that you know that title that archetype in such a beautiful way and like basically living your freedom regardless of you know what these stereotypes that are out there have placed on you um historically and if you don't know what mammy is or the the archetype that that describes go on google (laughs) um but there's a lot of different archetypes out there that have been been around for black people for centuries and if you look at like sambo or um a mandingo or mammy but there's a lot of different archetypes and there's a lot of them have played such a huge part in how um black people get looked at i don't want to say get looked at but the frame in which people look at black people nowadays has been a subtly shifted, uh, not shifted, but shaped by these archetypes. Um, and so the fact that you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to break through these um, mm-hmm. is just, I'm bowing down to you because that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know that you, um, you, your pronouns are she, her, and love. Like, tell me how you came up with love. Um, It's just like, so thinking about pronouns in the sense of like, pronouns are like things to be called instead of your name and I just think about like how I I be calling everybody love like I just think it's like just like a it's a connector thing and of course like I think about there's also like a a comfort level like familiarity thing so like if you're like a white man I don't know I would prefer that you do not you know? <laughs> be out here talking about like hey love you know right boundaries um, <laughs> you know but I think about like their um yeah it was just I think there was another person who I met who said like their pronouns were like she they love and I was like I like that (laughs) you know like you know um I also have a friend whose pronouns was like uh 
she nigga and I was just like I mean and that also works I just don't put that in my bio because non-black people be wilding and they'll be like well yeah, it's I'm, in your I'm, bio. Not even to, I'm not even trying to like leave no wiggle room yeah, uh, don't for you to fuck around because <laughs> uh. somebody will be excited to see that and be ready well I literally was just on Twitter yesterday um, well, I was reading this article about how Lin-Manuel Miranda is trash. <laughs> who? Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, mm-hmm. who, like, put on Hamilton and In the Heights. Oh, I never got into Hamilton. Yeah, my problematic shame is I really got into Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. I saw some clips and I was like, what the hell is this? It I is, was so confused. It is such, like, backwards it's like propaganda that loops back around and like makes a spoof of itself like so okay. like I know what Lemon Well Miranda was trying to do but then I'm like just seeing all these undertones and like maybe getting TV but also just the soundtrack really I really liked it um but they were <laughs> you know but like he's been like under fire because like in the heights it's supposed to be all Washington Heights but it was like all these light skin as Latinas and like um <laughs> oh wow and like, I guess Washington Heights is like hella like dark skinned Dominicans, you know, like yeah. Um, but they were so long story short, like they were talking about how horrible he was, and this the end is like, oh, also he said nigga, and like I listened to this little clip on Twitter, and he was talking about uh David Diggs, but he like said nigga like saying David said this. And it's just like y'all will like take anything and be like, I feel like non-black people would just be so excited, like, oh I get to tell this as a quote. Oh <laughs> a black person said it, so I'm allowed to so say I it say it. the story. Yeah. And so like I'm just not even trying to give y'all like with uh my other project All My Niggas Got Dreams. It's like the black dream experiment for your black for the non-blacks. I don't even want you to think all my niggas. Like, please say Black Dream Experiment. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to explicitly state that because a lot of people are just going to be like, ooh. I think on I my like website, <laughs> I took it down, but I was like, also, A-K-T-N-B, like, also known to non-Black ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. That's like, that reminds me of like when Niggas in, in Paris came out. Like Kanye and Jay Z, and I was just like, "I just here we go." I saw I saw the name of it. I heard the song, and I was like, "And the song is really good." It's about it's a rap. (laughs) These kids are gonna have a ball with this. Oh my gosh! Gosh, you know the one thing that I feel like I'm really grateful for is like I have not gone to a rap concert where I've been surrounded by a sea of white folks, like, or I've been with enough black people to cancel it out. But yeah. I just think about like people talk about like going to Kendrick Lamar concerts and it's just a bunch, like a bunch of white people just like yelling along. I went to a Jadena concert and there was like one white person who said nigga and I was just like looking at him and like stank out like he was across the way. But I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> oh man. By the way, I love Jadena. I feel like he's underrated. I love him. Like, and I'm not even going to act like I, like, stand him, but he gives such a good concert. Like, yeah, I had a lot more respect for him by, by the end. Like, because um, I was one of those people who was like, I just know classic man. And 
I think trampoline, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, he's he's pretty good. I like. I've never seen him in concert. I was actually supposed to go to his concert, and then I ended up in the hospital and did not get to go. Oh so no! That, yeah. Shout out to my friend Shante that we had to cancel that trip because. I was in the hospital, which was terrible. But <laughs> I still owe her some tickets to a Jadena concert. Um, so I, I know that you, you've got a lot of projects going on and I saw that you just started a Patreon. So can you tell the people what they can expect um, from Kelsey on Patreon? They can expect an extension of what I'm already giving the world for free. <laughs> like... Um, I think I was really into, like, I dragged my feet for so long in launching that Patreon. Like, I joined Patreon.com, like, probably at the end of 2020. <laughs> like, really? Beginning of 2021. And I just, like, I was dealing with a lot of imposter syndrome about, like, who am I? And, like, what am I bringing? Um, and just really, like, looking at some of my peers and realizing, like, one of them used the language that I also use, like, I'm not going to arbitrarily privatize my work, mm. right? Um, you know, so I I plan for, on my Patreon, to have, like, an extension of, like, you know, like, maybe some reflections, because once again, I just didn't uh, shit out of my head anyway, um, <laughs> you know, so, like, maybe, like, some uh, archive stuff that I bring but it's really about me having an opportunity to uh give people to support me um opportunity to give uh, <laughs> giving people the opportunity yeah. to support you yes okay. I was like wait those words are not in the right order <laughs> <laughs> it's all good I got you <laughs> yes so like yeah it's giving uh, a way for people to support the work I'm already doing for free and um being able to like have a place you know I'm using like that platform Kelsey is creating as a way to kind of like revisit work that I've already done and like you know I have like some things that I've done in stories that I think I'll like instead of um making them what's like highlights on my Instagram I think I'll just have like that on my Patreon Mm -hmm. um and you know maybe some fun things if I get enough people doing lives on there we'll see nice nice. I like it I like it and last question that I ask everybody um, what affirmation would you give to your younger self and you can pick the age um, Hmm. you are doing a lot of important work I love it because you are to this day because <laughs> you are yeah. and I think like specifically you know not to make this a million hours long but <laughs> no, <can> you- <laughs> but like I think in doing important work by like crying and processing and thinking through things like I think like I um a lot of who Kelsey is today is because like I was like this isn't this don't feel right, you know, like, and I didn't have the language, um, all the time to be able to articulate, but, like, I was, I was just thinking about, like, hmm, you know, like, what, what could be possible, and, like, a lot of that pre-contemplation 
by thinking through things is really important and it'll lay the groundwork for, you know, me to be able to say those things out loud. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So Kelsey, tell the people where they can find you, where they can find your projects. Uh, if they want to follow you on Patreon, Instagram, let the people know. So um, you can find me on most places at and she's here underscore because and she's here without an underscore is some white girl who has not been online in 10 years. Um, <laughs> it really is because I looked, I was searching for it last night and I was like, yo, did she change her page? Yeah. I was like, let me go back and look because this is not the right page. But like the underscore, I guess it gives it flavor. Um, so like, <laughs> um, so I'm at and she's here underscore on Instagram and Twitter and Patreon. Ooh. Um, and then on Facebook, they wouldn't let me have an underscore, so it's just and she's here. <laughs> and if you go to my instagram um or my my website is kelseyshere.com um you'll find like links to all the other projects that i'm doing because i'm about to spend 20 minutes like telling you all the, <laughs> all the different uh the handles to the work that i'm doing but it's in my instagram and uh website um and yeah just you know, stay tuned and I'm, I'll be posting some like calls and asks, um, soon around the work that I'm going to be doing with, uh, All My Niggas Got Dreams or Black Dream Experiment for all you non-Blacks. Um, <laughs> okay. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. Make sure y'all go follow her. Um, and I will be putting all of Kelsey's information in the description, all the links, um, and yeah just make sure you guys are keeping up with what she's doing she's doing awesome work um also kelsey and i i know that you're going through some housing crisis at this point do you want to shout that out you know i'm once again learning i'm not blocking my blessings i am uh accepting donations for moving expenses um all of that is also in my bio but i'm on kelslive on venmo cash app and paypal and um yeah by the time this episode airs i will um be in the process of really being (laughs) finding the place so i will probably just be needing help with like moving supplies and that stuff um so if you guys are in a position to help definitely um take a look in the in the description um reach out to kelsey and uh yeah help a black femme reparations um Um, but thank you thank you so much Kelsey I really appreciate you taking out the time um out of your day to just chat with me it's been a joy like I want to catch up with you again soon and have another conversation um but yeah I really do appreciate you taking out the time yeah thank you this is such um an amazing platform and I'm just excited and grateful um and honored to be a part of it um thank Thank you you. thank you kelsey and thank you to everybody that has um showed up for another episode of black girls have anxiety too um i appreciate your support wherever you're listening Uh, i know that we've got listeners in different countries so shout out to y'all um make sure that you are following 
us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety Too and on Twitter, Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls on Twitter. Thanks again for another episode. Um, tune in again in a couple weeks and we'll have another episode for you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety Too. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety Too and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>